0: Head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle O'Kidenor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency and 2021 Australian podcast awards finalists, The Peers Project and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. You know the old saying, peers, you're the product of the people you spend the most time with. But as an entrepreneur, it can be hard to find others with the same drive, passion, and routine. So how do we ensure we're staying connected to our community, our people? In today's episode, we hear from Jacqueline Basulto, the founder and CEO of CDEX, a business development and digital growth firm. In this ep, Jacqueline shares the true isolation that can come with following your dreams, why it took so long for her parents to take her business seriously and the power informing like-minded networks. So for those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Jacqueline. Jacqueline, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to get started. Oh,
0: I love it. (laughs) So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in marketing and business, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that a lot.
0: Of course. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So I am Jacqueline. I am the founder of a performance marketing and business development company called CDEx. We work with different companies ranging from small businesses to enterprise level organizations and nonprofits. We've worked with AARP, Yeezy, Harvard University, a bunch of larger um, entities and also have worked and are most proud of working with smaller entities and helping them scale to a larger, more sustainable size. Uh, So that is what I mainly focus on. Um, I also dabble in some other entrepreneurial activities. (laughs) So that's a little bit about me. I live in Austin, Texas now, and I have three Dogs. It's
0: a lot. <laughs> oh, three dogs. That is a lot. Yes. Juggling the business and the dogs. That's always the struggle.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to dive deeper into your entrepreneurial journey and how you started your business. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far?
1: Yeah, I love that question. I was lucky enough to grow up in New York City. So I was born in uh, Staten Island, which is a suburb of the city, which most of us consider Manhattan as, you know, the main kind of city, New York City. I got the opportunity to go to this great performing arts high school, a public school in Manhattan that was audition based. So I don't come from a family with money or a lot of experience and entrepreneurship at all, but um, kind of like in the right place at the right time. I worked really hard. I traveled two hours to school every day to Manhattan. And then, um, yeah, and then after that, I went to Columbia. And I was just lucky to have great access to resources. And I loved growing up in New York. And being surrounded by all the culture and different types of people, it really opened my mind to the possibilities of the world.
0: Oh, I love that. And New York is such... that iconic city that we all know and we all, you know, have heard of or wish to go or, you know, the city of dreams. You know, when you were growing up there, it's also hugely hustle based. And as you said, like there's lots of different people or different cultures, you know, was there ever a point where it was a bit shocking to the system or, you know, with your two hour commute, you had to like go through all of the traffic and deal with all these people. Like, was there ever a moment or a time where you kind of just was struggling with this hustle, Mentality and culture growing up.
1: Of course, I think almost (laughs) everyone in New York has an anxiety disorder. That's like a little, (laughs) a little joke that I think is too true. Uh, Everyone is either struggling to make ends meet because it's just so expensive to live there, or and or they have a huge dream that they're trying to make happen, and usually they're. It's true, starting from the bottom and clawing their way to the top. So uh, what I did, I saw reflected all around me. And I'm glad that I learned the hustle culture there because I could fit a million things into a 24-hour day. And uh, I learned that from New York. And now that I am no longer there, I feel grateful that I I had that experience and I can take the best parts of that and know that that's still accessible, but not have to be, you know, running from the subway, studying on the subway, doing this, doing that all day. So um, I appreciate it. And I think that it's definitely anxiety provoking with the cost of living and everything else that is there. But um, again, just happy, happy I took those lessons away and was able to kind of keep them in my back pocket, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And what did your parents do? You know, you mentioned that you didn't come from a family of money or any of that, and you just worked your way up. And obviously you went to Columbia, but what did your parents do? And I guess, what were some of the greatest lessons that they taught you?
1: Yeah, that's great. A great question as well. So my parents are um, from Hispanic immigrant families. So they both didn't finish college. My dad's Cuban, my mom's Puerto Rican, but they both were able to kind of access the corporate or business world. So my mom was a secretary when I was growing up and my dad works in the back office at financial companies, essentially helping to process trades. So nothing like super high level at these companies, but I had the experience as a kid of being brought into these big, beautiful offices, being shown the possibilities of the world, and they always taught me that um, I could do whatever I wanted to and that I should be, you know, reaching for the stars. And um, I think the most important thing they taught me, though, growing up was to always surround myself by people who were smarter even more driven, talented, um, and make that a priority. And again, luckily, being in a place like New York, I was surrounded by some amazing people as well.
0: I love that. How do we cultivate... That community around us, you know, for those of us who may not live in a big city or, you know, a place like New York where it's a bit more accessible, how do we find those people that can kind of push us to that next level and and surround us on our journey?
1: Yeah, I feel that right now because it's really difficult to find other entrepreneurs who are accessible because usually, like, you know, it's not like I'm going to call up Elon Musk tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> So maybe not. (laughs) I think things like this, podcasts, blogs, there are ways for you to surround yourself by the mindset of other people that you yearn to be like um, from the comfort of your home. And you know, luckily it's so accessible now. I think when I was growing up, I actually had to be in New York. And now I think this sounds really cheesy, but we always say at SeedX that Um, the American dream is in the cloud now. So like everyone, you know, who's striving, you can find them anywhere in the world. Now there's no need to necessarily move to San Francisco or New York city or London or wherever to accomplish your dreams. So, um, I try to embrace that in our remote world as well. I love that for you right now
0: who's someone that you want to surround yourself with or you know are there certain people right now that you're like to get me to my next level or to kind of where I want to go I need to be hanging out with these kind of people like who who are they for you and you know now that you're 6 7 years into your business like how has that changed over the years
1: yeah uh it's changed dramatically <laughs> so you know at first i was just trying to figure out what the heck i was doing and how to hire someone and uh, things like that. I I think now there's a few different things that I'm interested in. Um, and before, I think it's a little bit more general. You want to be around people who even have this crazy idea that they can be an entrepreneur, because when you're first starting out on the path, it just you feel like a crazy person. You tell your parents, you tell your friends, "Oh, I'm going to start a business," and they think. Are you sure? Like, what about health insurance? What about law school, whatever? That's what my parents were telling me. Um, and then eventually, once you get past all the difficulty after that, now i I would really love to meet more people who've scaled companies. Um like i our team is about thirty five right now, and I just wonder, how do you scale from there? It's so hard. You know, you can't talk to everyone every day anymore. So I don't really know too many people who have done that. Um, and then beyond that as well, people who are in emerging markets are always really fascinating, like like crypto and different areas like that. I just find it really interesting when people can like really see the, the vision of something radically new and, you know, be passionate about it uh, and I want to be more like that because I think I can be too conservative in my thinking sometimes. Wow as an <laughs>
0: entrepreneur that's interesting.
1: Yeah well it takes a it takes a really radically thinking person to you know be the first person to believe in Bitcoin for example and that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to challenge myself to see the value in something before anyone else does if that makes sense.
0: It's so interesting. I want to talk about this idea of like being conservative, but still wanting to kind of go after something different, you know? So you mentioned that, you know, if we backtrack in your story, you went to Columbia, you know, very good school and did like, I think it was a bachelor of political science and government. So quite traditional or, you know, what you would expect. But talk to us a little bit about when that non-conservative or perhaps different perspective came in for you where you kind of thought how hey, in a second like is this you know is going off and perhaps working at a corporation or in government really what i want to do can you talk to us a little bit about you know if you take us back to that time where your head was at and how you kind of navigated those thoughts
1: yeah sure it's uh, a great question i think that I've always been a creative person, even though I'm kind of conservative in terms of what my choices are. And I'll also preface it with, I think it's really true. People say, like, if you want to be an artist or if you want to be an entrepreneur, you probably shouldn't be unless you absolutely have to. And that's how I felt when I was working at Google and I had like an opportunity to do this program at Sidley Austin for pre-law people, Sidley Austin's this really great law firm. And I started getting like physically sick. And I was depressed. And I was just like, my family and my friends would be like, this is so great. Google, blah, blah, blah. And I would just like cry in the bathroom because I just felt stuck or I felt like I wasn't in the right place. And um I think that was the point where I realized I need to, you know, the like sugarcoating answer is like, oh, I had some clients and then it grew from there. But it was like, (laughs) I literally couldn't not do my, do my own thing. Um, And I felt, I think because of all of that experience of being like so depressed, I felt like I had to, and then I had dumb confidence that I could, and then it just worked out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love talking about the early days and the crazy, as you said, you have to be kind of crazy and delusional to think that you can go out and start a business. And for you, I think it was, you were still studying, like you were in your undergrad. I think Mm -hmm. you just graduated or you're in your final year. Yeah. So super young, don't know much about the world. Obviously you had your gig at Google, which actually sounds really fascinating. I think I read that it was you are elevating kind of minority women and women owned businesses and, and things like that. You know, can you talk to us for our peers out there listening who perhaps feel stuck like exactly like how you were? And maybe they're off crying in the bathroom or in their own bathroom at home because, <laughs> you know, it's all work from home from now and they just don't know what it is they want to do. What advice would you give to us?
1: Sure. I think that the first thing is to be courageous right, (laughs) and honest with yourself. And the hardest thing is the perception that other people have of you, that you're crazy, that you can't do anything. For example, my parents didn't believe that I had a business until I made the Forbes 30 under 30 thing. Now they accept it. But they used to call me and ask me if I was eating, like all this crazy stuff. And I would be like, people work for me now, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So wow, I think the social isolation is really difficult. And then the second thing I think is, I was really young when I started CDEX. I didn't have many expenses. So it was easy for me to just spend a lot of time on it. But if you're older or if you have financial obligations, obviously, I think you can start slowly. And I think that's okay. I think that people feel like they have to make this huge jump. Like I'm going to raise $20 million and start this company. And I think that the best companies that we work with too, not only my own company, they start you know, a little bit by little by little by little as you prove yourself, as you learn and you hire as you need on a need basis. So I would say just start something like just start something that you care about, because time compounds too. it takes years for things to work. Um, So I think just start. And then the third thing is, I think people get really stuck. For example, like, let's say you have a skill you can monetize, I think that's a great way to start your entrepreneurship journey, just so that you can understand how it is you find customers, how to do marketing, how you can exchange your own time or your own value for profit. Uh, and let's say down the line, your dream is something else. At least you're getting that experience. And I feel personally like I really love CDEX for that reason, because it's taught me so much about marketing and different business development areas. And ultimately, I think um, I want to do other things as well that are kind of like more product-based or something. But just because you do one thing doesn't mean that you're always going to be just this thing. So yeah, that's the other thing.
0: Oh, yes. I think so many of us have that fear, right? If I go out and do this career or, you know, I, that's it for the rest of my life. And I think when we're younger, we're in our twenties, it's just kind of, it does feel like that, you know, but I love how, you know, you remind us and sometimes I need this reminder, you know, that it's what we're doing right now doesn't have to be for the next 50 years or 20 years or whatever it is.
1: I think before you're 25, you feel like life is just going to stop. You turn 25 (laughs) and it's just over and you like can't do anything anymore. And then you're like, oh, I'm still alive. (laughs) That's how I feel.
0: I feel you. So I want to dive into the early challenges. So, you know, you started your business, as you said, CDEX. Your parents didn't even believe it was a thing. You know, you, you were just giving it a go, didn't know much about business. Could you talk to us a little bit about what those early challenges and struggles were and how you had the motivation or the grit to keep going when there was perhaps no light at the end of the tunnel?
1: Yeah, everything was a struggle. So, I had like no money. That was a struggle. Uh, (laughs) It was a a struggle being a young woman. I didn't have much confidence. You could tell that I was like a little girl at the beginning. I looked even younger, right? So that's difficult. And then I think also fulfillment. When you're starting a company, you're marketing yourself, selling everything, And then you're also fulfilling everything. So I used to do like a crazy amount of things. Like I always laugh about it now because I used to like make websites and. Write content and run an ad, like whatever needed to get done. And now there's people who are actually really good at those things doing them on our team. And we laugh about it now, but I think that's difficult. And I think what keeps you going is you have these indicators of success, like slow progress these days where like you get a slightly bigger client and you are able to do something really great for them. And then uh having team members really helped. So I had a partner join me in the first year, Justin. Um, And that was very, very helpful because we have complementary skills. He's more operational. I do a lot of like sales and business development. So that was great. And, you know, you really just have to figure it out day by day. But there were many, many days at the beginning where, I would look at job listings and just think, am I sure?
0: (laughs) 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 You know, I I wanted to speak a bit on that comparison piece. You know, I think it's so normal for us to go, oh my goodness, look at our friends on all of this amazing money and in this corporate world and they're doing this thing and I'm sitting here making like ends meet and don't know if I'm going to eat next week. Like I'm just not sure if it's going to work out for me. How do we try not – to kind of have those outside influences affect how we feel about ourselves and the decisions we've made, you know how did you do it in the early days where perhaps you were comparing yourself to others or even others on the similar path, but who for some reason were just way ahead?
1: yeah, I still compare myself, I think I think you know you just end up comparing yourself to to different people it's it's never ending, right, so I compare myself to entrepreneurs around my age who are doing something massively scalable, like an app, and they're like a billionaire mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and things like that. So, and it comes back to like almost like this maturity mindset, which I've learned over time, which is like day by day, things work out. It's just, you just have to keep going. Because if you think about like, I'm stuck in this position forever. I'm this person it just it messes with your head way too much and you just have to have faith really. How do we have faith? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it can be so hard when yes. we really
0: feel like what we're doing although we might feel right, it's just not getting us anywhere. Like how do we have faith in those times?
1: You have to build trust with yourself, I think. I think it's multifaceted, right? Like you have to know that like something I always try to remember is I've gotten myself out of really hard times before. Or I look at data instead of just because sometimes I'll qualitatively like say about myself, oh, I'm a terrible salesperson. Everything is down, you know, and then I look at the previous year and I like compare the types of people that I'm talking to, the sizes of the contracts, how many meetings I have, and it roots you back in reality. So I think like trying to be rooted in reality, understanding that it's going to be difficult, it's it's hard. I think it really takes someone with a high tolerance for pressure to be an entrepreneur because it's very scary, especially financially sometimes. <laughs>
0: 35 staff, yeah. no words. I want to talk about the scaling from just yourself and the early days, you know, you're doing it all, jack of all trades, to kind of where you guys are at now. So I think it was six and a half years in or something at this point. Can you talk to us a little bit about that first moment that you really felt, hang on a second, this is working out and like I can hire people now. When did that happen for you? And I guess what was that mindset shift you had to have going from just running your own thing to, I now have to be a leader and kind of manage other people?
1: I think at the beginning, you're never really sure what's going on. It's just kind of like a neat, I need to get this done. And then you kind of have more perspective after. So you always take on things, you know, that you're not a thousand percent ready for. Like our team got a request to do a, a really big app. And we had some experience doing app development in the past, but not really. And we just had to find a good developer, learn how to vet, find a good designer, et cetera. So we did because we had to, right? And luckily for us too, we have this remote world. So we've also at the beginning and even now we scale with a global team. So. That makes it easier. At the beginning, our CTO, Vlad, he's in Ukraine. He's been working with us for five years since that time. And he's amazingly talented. But, you know, within our budget, which was not ready for a US developer salary, we were able to hire him. And I, Believe in global teams so much because there's absolutely no difference between a great American worker and a great Ukrainian worker. And Vlad is, has been essential in building our company. We were lucky in, in that way that we had access to a global talent pool that we could start as two 20 year olds, start a company and hire people at all. That's changed over time. You know, now we have employees in the US and globally as well. But it was kind of like that. We had, you know, two people come on and we were four. And then I would look for work that our team had the skill sets for. So we did a lot of websites in the beginning. And I always wanted to get more towards omni channel marketing. So we started branching out over time and hiring. We've hired a lot of young people and trained them too. So like hiring someone who is 23 and just like really hungry to learn. You know, they they grow a lot and it's just more affordable for us, et cetera. And of course now we have older team members and more diverse experiences, but that's just the honest truth of how we had to scale with no, you no, know, no money, no investment, et cetera.
0: I so resonate with that. And I think a huge part of it that I'm taking away is like that idea that you just, you bring on board who you can and for what you need. You know, I think there's this misconception or in this startup, quote unquote startup world where people are just raising all this money and bring on board hugely experienced teams. And sometimes you feel like you have to compete with that, but I love that you bring it down to basics. And at the end of the day, you know, it does come down to how much you can afford and, and kind of what you can do at that time. I love that.
1: Yeah. And when you can't afford you put the time in to train people to really develop them. And I, I think of myself and of Justin as underdogs, you know, we weren't like born in this world of Silicon Valley and everything. So I love that the people on our team are like that as well. And they, they just excel beyond expectation because they're given this opportunity to be great and they seize it. So I, I like it better that way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. I love it. What's been the toughest part of your role as an entrepreneur?
1: everything.
0: <laughs> for me, <laughs> my daily life.
1: <laughs> for me, I'm not very I'm a generalist. Uh so for me, accounting and things like that are always difficult because I just I need to be made to care about them. So I'm I'm lucky to have Justin for that reason, just honestly. But then also I think my age is great in a, a lot of ways because I have a really Fresh take on the world of business and marketing. But I also think that there's a lot of experience that I can glean from people who've just been around longer. So I try to learn from, you know, people who have been marketing executives for decades and people who have, like I said, skilled out teams and things like that, because I literally sometimes don't know what I don't know. That's my biggest. I think my biggest area of opportunity, because like, I don't really have that experience ever building a company before. So it's kind of like a day by day kind of thing, find the right resources and keep going. Yes. I want to
0: shift gears a little bit and talk about the dark side of business. So, you know, we talked about the struggles and how we just, you know, we don't know what we're doing in the early days, but I think there's also that kind of emotional pace that comes in and that kind of mental health pace where as entrepreneurs, we can feel this pressure To just perform all the time, even when we really don't know what we're doing sometimes or most of the time, and we're just trying to figure it out along the way, you know, was there ever a point for you where you just came to breaking point and you just kind of, you know, had a meltdown and was like, I I just don't know if I can even do this, if this is for me? If so, you know, how did you navigate through that? And for the entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs to be who are listening in, our peers out there listening, kind of what advice would you give to us when it comes to managing our emotions in business?
1: Yeah, again, I think it's really, really difficult because it can be so isolating. So it's difficult to find a therapist who really, truly grasps what an entrepreneurial journey is like. It's very difficult. It's difficult, especially if you're starting out young, you probably have no friends who are <laughs> business business leaders or uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, so I think first and foremost, I am very lucky to have a business partner. I don't know how people do it without that because it's so difficult to even talk to someone about these problems when they really don't genuinely understand it because they're not in the same business as you. So I think if you can find someone that you really trust and work well with to work with, I highly recommend that. Um, I think that I always give myself this question if I'm depressed or upset, having a breakdown, worried about money, I think, well, do I do I want to go get a job now? Or if this ends, am I just going to start over again? Right? Am I willing to just start over again as an entrepreneur? And for me, it's always been, I would rather do this than anything else. So I want to fight through. And then also, I think I've become better at just having more time for myself, like trying to set aside time, having things in your life that aren't just business and revenue focused like dogs. They really remind you when you look at them that like your worries are stupid. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I think dogs, family, you know, being surrounded by people and and animals that can remind you that uh, life isn't just about one thing is important as well, but it's hard. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, I don't have at least a little mini meltdown once a week about something. So
0: (laughs) I hear you there. I hear you there. (laughs) Oh, I love it, Jacqueline. Look, I'm loving this chat and I appreciate you being open with us and giving us the goods. I am mindful of your time though. So I've got a couple of final questions. The first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date?
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that's a difficult one. My biggest failure. Okay, so my biggest failure, I think, that really hurt the growth of our company and hurt me personally from a mental and physical wellness, everything, was uh a, f- a few years ago, we got the opportunity to work on this really big project as a subcontractor. And um, it hurt our business because we had to hire really quickly. And we were doing so much that I was no longer running our sales team. We just kind of like put our own sales on the back end. The relationship didn't work out in the end. And then what ends up happening when you put sales on the back burner is you have no contacts, you don't have a pipeline, so you're a few months behind. And then I was just so stressed from that. And we were trying to train everyone and also sustain everyone's salaries. I think that this is a common pitfall as an entrepreneur. You see this golden carrot to grow big, fast. And I think it's really important To be okay with making a decision to grow slower with your own values because it's more sustainable. Because I wish that we just continued to grow at our normal rate. We were growing a lot anyway, but you know, you see a big money amount of money sometimes and you want to grab it and then it breaks everything. Um, so I, I think on a larger scale, you can think of like we work. The WeWork documentary, it's like all of a sudden they open like a million offices and then they realize they didn't have a viable business. Of course, ours was at a much smaller scale, but um, I think that that's something people don't think about. Business is not really about a lucky break. It's about sustainability. Ah, uh, My greatest win. This sounds really cheesy, but I think just finding a really great team a really great, diverse team of people around the world, very different backgrounds, religious, you know, racially, everything. That's what keeps me like wanting to go every day. So I think that, and then, you know, I think no matter what CDX does in the future, if our team is strong, we can keep existing. So cheesy, but true. (laughs) Also, never thought I would really grow a team, so (laughs) you don't really think about that aspect. It's true.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love it, Jacqueline. Look, over the last six and a half years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. Through all the struggle, there has come so much reward, and you've recently, or last year, you were recognized on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out?
1: Yeah, I think things take a lot of time. That saying uh, brick by brick is true. Don't try to find a quick solution to success. Pick something that you're either really great at or that you can sustain and keep doing it. I think the second thing is people probably don't talk about learning how to sell and convey your your own qualities in a positive light enough because at the beginning, as an entrepreneur, you're really selling yourself. You know, there was no CDX, it was just Jacqueline. You have to sell yourself. Even if you're starting a product, you have to sell yourself to manufacturers. I think that's a good life skill in general is to just be able to speak well for yourself and your ideas. And the last thing, it's kind of like brick by brick, but it's just having faith, really, and um, not giving up because you'll fail a lot. You'll have a lot of setbacks, a lot of false starts, and you just have to keep going. You
0: just have to keep going. Oh, it's too good. Look, Jacqueline, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, you know, and particularly us, minority women, women of color ambitious millennials that if we have that goal, that vision and that dream, we're never too young, you know, to start, to give it a go, just to try. And for that, we really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that so much.
0: So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: I think the value is just a life well-lived, right? Why live a life if you're not pursuing what you think your potential is or what you really love? And I think that's the reckoning that I had, the come to Jesus moment I had when I was deciding to be an entrepreneur. You decide whether you want to live a a genuine life or if you want to hide yourself away forever. And it can be really scary, but I think that... You have to have faith, and I think especially like you were saying as women, we have to have faith that we can do the life that we want and that it doesn't mean that we have to give up something I'm really passionate about. Doesn't mean you have to give up being feminine, being a mother if you want to be, all of these different things because those were all fears that I had, like how can I be a mom and will anybody want to be with me, all these things, stupid, right? But um, you want to live your authentic life and it'll attract the right things if you're living in your authenticity, I think. Oh, I love it.
0: Jacqueline, oh my goodness, this has been so great. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. This was great. I love your questions.
0: Oh, I'm glad. Oh. Where can we learn more about you and CEDEX?
1: Sure. So you can go to seedex.us and you can follow me on social media on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. My name is Jacqueline Basulto. uh, And I also have a website JacquelineBasulto.com where you can find my links to social medias and such.
0: Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much. Again, it's been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, Head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, Peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.